Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Let me pray as we get ready to receive what God's going to say to us this morning. Father, we thank you for this mysterious and precious dynamic that you take what is yours and you make it known to us in these moments. The mystery that you are taking what is yours and you're making it known to someone who might be watching this now on a train down from Gosford to Sydney on a Wednesday morning. Lord, your word is powerful and it's active. You say that it won't return to you void and I pray that be the case this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, I need uh, your help this morning just to help me with a translation issue because there's a phrase I keep hearing uh, all the time when I speak to people, often happens when uh, we're in slight disagreement, when we don't quite see eye to eye. I'm not quite sure what it means, but certainly some of the millennials here might understand what this phrase is. And the phrase that, that keeps coming up is, you do, you boo. <laughs> now, any, anyone help me? What's, what, is, what, what is you do, you boo? Is that, that's, I, I think what it means is uh, whatever your preference Whatever your opinion is, you go do it your way. Would that be correct? Yeah. You do you, boo. And I think the more and more I look at it, I don't know if you agree, is that we're living more and more in a you do you, boo culture. Have you noticed that? Kind of haven't quite learned how to disagree and to live with one another. And so the minute there is any difference of opinion, difference of lifestyle, difference in the way that we think, what's the answer? You do you, boo. I mean, do you think the way you think, we'll go our separate ways and do our thing? And as a result, this you-do-you-boo culture is starting to kill real and authentic community. Wouldn't you agree? It's very hard to do community in a you-do-you-boo culture. And it's pervasive and it's been happening for years and years. My best litmus test as to how the you-do-you-boo culture has emerged over the years has been the difference between the two different ways that the Australian Army recruits people. Let's take a look at the way that uh, they, the Army would recruit people. See, this, this is my grandparents' era, Right? This is the era where, you know, if you're more esteemed a member of the congregation, you might remember some of these different posters. Your country needs you. you know, that, that was the era where you do it for your country. Now, today, it's army. Challenge yourself, right? In other words, you know, come to the army now. Don't sign up for something bigger than you. Uh, come to the army and find the way that you can fulfill your own hopes, dreams and ambitions and your dream board uh, through this institutionalized thing that we call the military, right? In other words, like th this new way of doing things is you do, you boo version of the army. Like that's not the way that my grandmother thought. I know that some of you have already told you the story where my grandmother uh, told me the story once as a child that uh, during the Second World War, she was part of the WAF, the Women's Auxiliary Air Force. And at one point in the war, she spent about eight hours a day in the freezing Melbourne cold with nothing more than a blanket, peeling potatoes. And I, I said to her grandma, like, why would you do such a thing like that? And she said, well, I did it for the Empire. To which I said to her, you knew Darth Vader? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, my generation doesn't have any concept of the empire. We don't have any concept of living for something bigger than ourselves because we're part of the you do, you boo 
culture, in our highly individualized society, we don't seem to be living for something bigger than ourselves. Now, if, if, if this you-do-you-boo culture is rubbed off on the army, here's the question. Could it be possible that the you-do-you-boo culture is rubbing off on the church? No, I think, I think yes. But yes, because it, the way it's not... We don't really say you do, you boo. Here's how Christians say you do, you boo. They say, I don't really need to go to church because my relationship with God is personal. You guys heard that once or twice? I know you've heard it because uh, the Barna Group, a group out of the States, and I know it's happened anecdotally, but the Barna Group said that since the pandemic has hit, something like 30% of practicing, go to church, every second Sunday Christians have said that they're not coming back to church. I know that you know this because you've got friends here. They're your friends, they're my friends, they're friends that you know that haven't even just gone to a different church, they're going to no church. Because they're saying, my relationship with God is personal. All I need is a rock and TikTok. <sighs> right? Because this you-do-you-boo culture is, has kind of meant that all I need is a rock and TikTok. And TikTok can feed me all the things that I need to know in order to grow myself as a Christian. And every time I see that and see people that think all I need is a rock and a podcast, is to think, surely Jesus didn't come to leave us podcast content right? Jesus came to leave us a community. But community takes effort. Community takes sacrifice. It's why Paul says in Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It takes effort. And so to that person that says, I don't really need to go to church because my relationship with God is personal, you know, often, look, as a pastor, there are a couple of really good reasons as to why people say that, by the way. The first and the most important reason often that people say that is because they've been hurt by the church and they don't want to go to church because they've been hurt by the church. And you've heard me say it, that Christians are like dodgy doner kebabs. It only takes one bad experience with it and you are never going back again. <laughs> Right? And isn't that true? There's one dodgy experience with a Christian, a religious type or a preachy type or whatever it might be. And I'm, I'm not going near that place. And I get that. I understand that. That's cool. But I think the other reason, it seems to be the majority of the positions, it's the old challenge yourself, you do, you boo mentality. You know, people are thinking, well, if I join, I'll join if I see whether or not the church will fit my dreams for my personal advancement. And I want to speak into that this morning. And show you that that's not how God designed the church to be, right? Jesus didn't come to leave podcast content. He came to leave a community that changed the world. And here's the problem with you do you boo Christianity. And it was so wonderfully said by a Northsider in the, the middle of the pandemic. One of our young adults, she said to me, Sam, in the absence of community, you are at risk of believing your own narrative. How good's that? It's just a Northsider. It's one of the most profound things that was said. In the absence of community, you're at risk of believing your own narrative. <laughs> and so God gives us this incredible place where people come in and cut across our will and think all sorts of different things and it's very vastly different. And, 
And here's part of the problem. Whenever we talk about church and service and the things that we're going to talk about today, you know, we hear this, we think the pastor's just here to stitch me up. It's just a stitch up. And that's why, you know, it's, it's exactly what Paul, uh, the writer of the passage in Romans, was thinking in the middle of his Roman jail. He said this, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself, but rather think of the church roster. Right? No, sorry, that's um, next slide, Steph. That's the other one. Uh, here we go. All right, so, <laughs> for by the grace given to me, I say, think of every one of you. Don't think more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. What Paul is saying first and foremost is that each of us need all of us to be the church. Each of us need all of us. You can't, do your che- you can't do church by yourself because the very Greek word for church was the ecclesia, the gathered people of God. And so the person who says, well, you know, I'm, and I hear this all the time, you know, well, I'm not coming to church because I'm deconstructing my faith. I don't know if you've heard that one before, but I'm deconstructing my faith. It's like a deconstructed pav, you know, like it's like, what, we just sort of put it all on the table and we don't go to church in the middle of all of that, right? I'm deconstructing my faith. I'm trying to work it out. You know, I think what that type of person is saying and the problem that they're coming from is that they're saying that, and I see this all the time, people are looking for the church to corporately and externally perfectly represent their individual and unique preferences. People are looking for the church as a banner to corporately and externally represent their individual and internal preferences. And the way that it looks like as a pastor that I see all the time is, you know, people people go, I want a church that's traditional hymns, anti-abortion, pro-masks, anti-vax, pro-gay marriage, anti-oil, pro-natural fibres and champions the caveman diet. Right? You can see I'm being slightly tongue-in-cheek with this. At the same time, I know that some of these are opinions that we hold. Right? And, and here's, here's the challenge. If that is the basis for your acceptance and joining of this community. I did my calculations. I'm not much of a mathematician. I'm a pastor. But if you just want five of your individual preferences to be perfectly represented by the church you would have a 1 in 15,625 chance of finding your perfect church. <laughs> it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist because I don't think God suddenly thought, well, you know, I hope 2,000 years later after I sent my son to die for them that uh, people would find the exact representation of their cultural and political preferences in one big happy community. He never said that. He said, I've brought you out of darkness to light. And here's the thing. The church will never fully match your preferences because you are your church. And you are different than me. And I'm different than you. And the church is you and it's me. And we're different, says Paul. Many different members. And this is the great mystery and the the beauty of what the church is, right? Because... 
this is the way that God demonstrates His power in the world, right? Think about it. Where else do you get a whole bunch of radically different people all coming together for the same reason? Where else or how else would you bring together a bunch of people who are wildly different in their political preferences, in their demographics, in their sexual orientation, in their opinions, in their behaviours, and they still get on? <laughs> right? That's how you demonstrate the power of God in the modern world, right? They all get together. In fact, we are not doing church until you look to the person across the other side of the auditorium and think in your head, you know what? There is no way that we would be sitting together in this room if it weren't for Jesus. We are a radically different bunch of people brought together. And that's how the early church came together, by the way. God brings all these people together and they, they still get on. Do you think Rotary can do that? You know, Probus? You know, the North Shore Mums Facebook group? <laughs> right? I know we chuckle, but this is all the basis of where people are finding their primary community, Right? You know, like, if, if, you know, everyone at my golf club, we all get on wonderfully well, so long as the central topic is golf and not God. You know, you try playing a round of golf with people that don't want to hear about God and see what happens when you bring up God on the first tee. That's an awkward four hours that you've got to spend with someone. <laughs> right? In every other community in the world, everyone gets along so long as you all agree on the one central thing. The church is the only place where we bring the variety of our differences into the one place and we still get along. With it. Each of us needs all of us to be the church in our differences of opinion. Otherwise, we just become a cult. Wouldn't you agree? Each of us needs all of us to be the church. But then Paul goes on to say, we then have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, then, I love this one, give generously. <laughs> if it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. <laughs> each of us need all of us to be the church, but here's the other thing. All of us need each of us to minister to one another. That the church doesn't equal our walls and the church doesn't equal a policy and the church doesn't equal a set of statements that Northsiders made. What Paul is saying is that the only way that we are to be the church is to recognise that God has uniquely purposed you and gifted you to contribute into the middle. Ephesians 2 says, for you are God's workmanship. Greek word there is poema. Literally means artwork. You are God's artwork. You are God's handiwork. You are uniquely created by God. Non-Christians too, by the way. Right? That's what I love about this church. There are lots of not yet Christians who serve us and bless us in this place. So if you're in that space, you're not alone, right? Because God has uniquely purposed you through uh, the things that He has given you and even in your stuff-ups. Yes, I said your stuff-ups. The mistakes you've made. The things that you bring to bless people around you, you're like a snowflake. You are unique. You're like a thumbprint. You are unique, which means there is only hands you can hold. There are conversations that only you can have. There are experiences that only you can speak into. 
And the way that this whole community works is that God has given that to you so that you might go and bless someone with that. The most beautiful example I remember is we were sitting up the back, you know, pre, pre-pandemic, we used to have all the tables out in the urban garden and have our coffees and, and there was one of our ladies who was going through cancer. And as she, in that authenticity, shared what she was going through, another one of the other ladies pulled a chair up next to her and, and just put her arm around her shoulder and said, hey, I've, I've been through that. Let me share my story with you. I, I can't do that. Some of you can't do that. But there are going to be ministry opportunities, according to Ephesians, that's going to pop up. Well, only you can speak into and step into that situation. So all, all of us need each of us to bless one another with the gifts that we have been given. And to which some of you say, look, I understand this, but Sam, I just don't have time to do this. I get the whole serving thing and I get the community thing. I just don't have time. Um, back in January, I was uh, cleaning out my garage. You know, I'm kind of lucky enough in Sydney to have a garage, right? And so I was cleaning out our garage and and getting it all ready because it was so chocked full of bits and pieces that I couldn't move the car in. And so when I would open up the door, the, the garage is full because all the boxes are in the garage, right? And so I'd open the door and go, the garage is full because all the boxes are there. Now I open up the garage and my car's there. You know, is the garage full? Yes. But there is a, a big difference between being fooled up and free up. There's a big difference between being freed up and full up. You know, in other words, like my garage was full because it didn't have the right things in there and I couldn't get my car in there. And there's a big difference between when my garage is full with a car. Does this make sense? Your life is like a garage. You might come to service, you say, I don't have the time. I'm not free. And the reason you're saying that is because you're talking like a garage. You've got a whole bunch of different boxes in it. Because your life is already full of things that is not service to other people. And so the question is, are you full up or have you been freed up? Is there space in your life to serve one another with that? And so in 2 Corinthians, Paul gives a wonderful example of the way that early Christians freed up their lifestyle. He says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And so when verse 3 says that he, they gave beyond their ability, it means they gave to the point where it affected their lifestyle. Dallas Willard says, Give me your calendar and I'll show you what it is that you value. Are you full up or are you freed up for service of other people? Because at the end of the day, you know, you're probably thinking this morning, Sam, are you just trying to get me to serve today? Is it, isn't it, uh, you know, some of you are going, oh, great, like of all the Sundays that I decide to come back to church, it's that whole one that churches do, you know, where they get everyone on the roster, right? <laughs> and of course, you know, that's exactly what Jesus was thinking, you know, when he was hanging from the cross, you know, oh, Lord, you know, I really hope in this moment, Father, that I can get Jenny to serve on that roster. Listen to the King James Version of what Paul says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Right? 
I'm at time zone with my kids the other week. And you know how you like get those passes, you get the tickets out of the machine. Anyone been to time zone? You, you, you get a really high score, all these tickets get spat out of a machine and, and then uh, you've cashed the tickets in for fluffy toys that are on the wall. We've seen that in time zone. Yeah. I, I, I did that and, and um, Adele... Adele wins, like, all these tickets that are spewing out of the machine. Like, I thought the thing was broken. It was, like, super high score. And so she's kind of got this wad of tickets and everything. And so naturally her siblings are saying, well, Dad, Dad, can I have some tickets? You know, and, and Adele said, no, they're, no, they're not having tickets. They're my tickets, right? <laughs> my tickets. I said, who gave you the pass, sweetheart? Who paid for your half hour, <laughs> right? That's what all good parents do. Man... When I think about the way that I serve in my life, I'm so glad God doesn't parent us the way that I parent my kids at time zone. And Paul was kind of pushing into that. He said, come on, like, be reasonable. And what he means by that this morning is, who, who gave you all you had? Who gave you the brain that you've got? What do you do to get born into one of the most resourced parts of the world? Anyone drive to church? If you drove to church, you're in the top 1% of the richest people in the world. Who gave you the university degree? Who gave you the brains to do the university degree? Right? Who gave you the way that you talk or your gift or your encouragement? Paul says, service is not something that Sam's trying to manipulate with. It's just, it's just reasonable. It's just reasonable. That you take what it is that he has given you and you bless other people with it. And when you do that, by the way, because this is the whole paradox of the you do, you boo culture, right? We think we're being so cultured, we're being so actualized, and that we're living bigger lives because I'm just, I'm just doing you do, you boo. <laughs> you're not getting bigger, you're just getting smaller. Am I the only one, and someone saying this to me the other week, where I just love living in the reality of all of the great movies that I watched as a kid. The Last Starfighter. You know, this, 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 this guy from a caravan park gets whisked up into space because he played a video game and he saves Earth and the entire universe against Zur and the Kodan Armada, right? Blows them all up and he comes back down and he, he, he lands this spaceship in the middle of a caravan park in the middle of nowhere, right? And he comes all the way down from his spaceship and he goes to his girlfriend, Maggie, come on, Maggie, join me on the adventure. And she turns to him and says, what about grandma? <laughs> what about grandma? It's a flippant spaceship. Right, just get on it, Maggie. Just go and do it. It's a spaceship. God has landed on earth, not in a spaceship, but in the person of Jesus Christ. And he says, come follow me and be something so much bigger than the small ambitions and dream board that you've crafted up for your life. You think you're self-actualized when you bail out a community. You're not living a bigger life, you're living a smaller life. C.S. Lewis said, please repent of your small ambitions. When you serve other people, you don't get smaller, you don't get restricted, you get bigger. And so what that means in this you-do-you type culture, of course it's going to cost you. Of course, it's going to cost you time and it's going to cost you money. But each of us needs all of us to make that commitment to be the church. There is something radically beautiful when different people gather together to worship God and to serve one another in front of a watching world. Each of us needs all of us to be the church. 
You can't be a Christian on a rock and on TikTok. And I'm saying that to you who's watching this via YouTube. This is not sufficient for you. Serve someone. It doesn't have to be in this church, but a church. Pick a community. But all of us need each of us to bring our gifts into the middle. And when we do so, we live last starfighter lives. We live big lives. We live an adventure. We live secret lives on secret missions. And they're called Christians. You're going to do that this week. Let's pray. Father, help us come to grips with the reality of what it is that you call us to. This is so much more than a roster. It's so much more than just a phone call. But it is literally the inbreaking of your love and your presence into a hurting world. I pray for us, those of us this morning that may have missed the beauty and the priority of this community in our lives. And I pray in these moments there'd be an opportunity for each of us to reflect the ways in which we are or aren't serving others around us. Father, I pray for those watching in this morning, whether it's on YouTube or they're in the room, those who haven't quite understood the bigness of life that is available to them this morning. Would you speak to them and show them, Father, um, the wonder and the beauty of being part of something that's bigger than themselves? Lord, most of all, I thank you Thank you for the multitude of interactions that go on in, in, in each and every week. Thank you for the people who are not with us this morning, but have spent Saturday mornings over a coffee alongside someone. Thank you for the person who's taken that phone call late at night in those unseen hours in order to support and encourage someone. Thank you for... All of those this morning, Father God, who have got, gotten up way before any of us were getting the alarm clock uh, snoozed so they could be here and to set up and to serve us and to usher us into your presence. So, Lord, I pray for your power and your presence amongst this beautiful, diverse community that is Northside. May our lives be enriched through the ways that we enrich each other. May our world be enriched through the way that we enrich it, I pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.